pastor has a, a, a schedule. Y'all know my schedule. It kind of kind of is uh, is spontaneous sometimes. You got emergency. Shirley uh, fell. You know, you run to the hospital. Grace fell. You run to the nursing home. Uh, Asa, you know, we had to go see him. Some different things happen in the day, and uh, and you have to you have to juggle, and uh, and so so pastor's schedule is wild. It's wild. I wish it was routine. I wish it was. I wish it was. You know, make a plan and stick with it. And one of the struggles is is having space and time to prepare the word of the Lord for you every every weekend. Are y'all hearing me? And so, primary one of my primary functions, I believe, is to preach the word to you. As a shepherd, we feed the flock of God, and uh, not only that, we care for the flock. When Jesus met with Peter after the resurrection, Peter was feeling down because he betrayed the Lord. I mean, no, that's what Satan does, makes you feel downcast. In fact, that's what betrayal, uh, betrayal um, was actually denial. Judas was betrayal. Are y'all following? Betrayal is worse than denial. Denial, you can come back. Betrayal seems like you don't plan to come back. I believe Jesus could have saved Judas, but, um, but he didn't. Uh, Judas didn't. He felt all that guilt, all that shame hung himself. Are y'all following the wages of sin? It's death. And so when you think about uh, Peter and his, and his feeling of downcast, distressed, perplexed, forsaken, God's not pleased with me kind of spirit. Have me, how many of you ever been there? God can be pleased with me. And, and yet Satan will take advantage of that mindset. But here comes Jesus. He meets him on the Galilee shore. And he makes him some tilapia, a grilled tilapia. What a great dish. Amen? God is good. God is good. He grills some tilapia. I think it was, I just looked it up when I was in Israel. What kind of fish was it? They said it was probably tilapia out of the Sea of Galilee. Anyway, uh, he grills the fish, and Peter sees him. He comes flying out into the water, and just, uh, and Jesus talks to him. And he says, hey, does, do you love me? He said, of course I love you. I phileo you. And Jesus said, well, yeah, but I want you to agape me. Do you agape me? Of course I, I love you. I phileo you. And every time he said it, he said, I want you to do something for me. Tend to my sheep. Care for my flock. Take care of my lambs. Three times. Three times. So here's a good sign. I'm waiting for them to come back so they can get the whole message too. Just want to leave this with you. A good sign that you love the Lord is if you take care of his sheep. You love me, take care of them. That sounds kind of weird, huh? In America, say, I'll love you if you love me. Bear, if you love me, I'll love you back. That is, that is the lowest kind of love they have. It's kind of phileo love. God's love said, whether you ever love me back or not, I'm going to love you. It's called unilateral love. It's called caring for you whether you care for me or not. Because I'm under assignment by the Lord to care. Amen? Boy, when you get that kind of love under your fifth rib, you'll have yourself a Holy Ghost revival by yourself. But I want to talk to you a few minutes about divine perspective because this is what the Lord, I said all that to say, in the midst of the week I had, this is what I felt like the Lord wanted to say. This is what I felt like the Lord wanted to say. Teach Oak Grove, teach the sheep at Oak Grove, the flock of God here, how to have eternal perspective. In this world, there is much tribulation and trouble. Turn on the news for one second. How many know it's depressing, distressing, disheartening? 
And if you don't flip the switch, if you don't change atmospheres, if you don't change perspectives and mindsets and dimensions, if you get caught flat-footed down here, I mean, no, you will stay in a state of distress, perplexed. You will get depressed, if you, if you please. So I wanted to deal with this divine perspective issue. I'm not sure how you keep your sanity or your, or your security. But the way pastor has pastored for almost 40 years, he's kept his sanity. This is how he did it. But sometimes a sheep can draw, uh, make the shepherd go crazy. Just telling you the truth. So these days, uh, listen, for many years I had to learn something, and, and I want to share this lesson with you today. It's so close to my heart. It's dear to my heart, and I love you so much. I want Melissa and I want to impart this to you. I hope you take this home with you. It will help you through any hard day you could possibly ever have. And here it is. I had to keep my peace, my joy, my hope alive. So I had to change my vision, my perspective, the way I see things. So there's two things going on. There is what we feel like is real, what's happening down here. And then there seems this spiritual thing that, I don't know, sometimes it doesn't seem real. But can I assure you, that's more real there than this is here. I mean, no, there's that which you think is going on, what you appear to happen, but then there's that which is really going on, which is God's sovereign plan for mankind. So you think it may be the end. How I many know it just could be the beginning? You could think it's lights out when God's saying, your miracle's just around the corner. And the testimony from Ronnie today is a perfect example. So having an eternal perspective helps me live with joy in order to continue loving life and fighting off depression or despair. Pastor's not going to counseling. I'm not in depression. I'm just telling you. You have to fight to keep your sanity. And I'm looking at a world that's losing it. Here goes a guy, a guy in Maine who just goes in and just, I mean, no, you have to lose your, you have to lose your consciousness. You have to lose your moral compass. You have to lose your mind to go in and take that many lives and then go take your own. Something's not right in the mental capacity. And you are one person. You are mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional. And so if something's going wrong, you got to find out what is due north. How I many of oh, the Lord is due north? Your spiritual, your spiritual compass is what's going to help the rest of you stay whole and complete and sane and secure. Your joy comes from the inside. Not what's going on around you. Is anybody hearing me so far? Good, because that's only the introduction. So I had to look beyond this life and towards eternity. I had to change my vision from the temporary to the timeless. And that's what we're going to talk about. Heavenly perspective, living in view of eternity. And my prayer is that God would stamp eternity on your eyeballs. That every morning when you wake up, it's eternity. That's your mind is on heaven. You remember that old song, I woke up this morning feeling fine. No? I woke up with heaven on my mind. I woke up with joy in my soul because I knew the Lord had control. I knew I was walking in the light because I've been on my knees in the night. You see that? That's a good old song. I'm not going to sing the whole thing because you're not even clapping. You're not even responding. And you don't deserve this beautiful voice of mine. So forget it. You, could, you had your chance, but no more, no more entertainment. 
I found this quote that I thought was powerful. I mean, I, I always knew I'd be happy over there. But how many of the problem was learning how to be happy over here? And so C.S. Lewis has an incredible quote. I'm going to preach from Psalm 121, but C.S. Lewis says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were precisely those who thought most of the next world. You're going to be effective here. You're going to have to learn how to set your mind on things above, not things below. This year is all temporary, temporal. That is all eternal. This is real up here. That's why the Lord always challenges us to set our mind up in heavenly places, seated with Christ, right? Above the circumstances and above the storm. So, yes, storms come, no denying it, but we have to change our perspective. So, so most of the next world, listen, you have to set your affections, your investments, your hope on eternity. And that's what it means to have a divine perspective, living with eternity in view and heaven's person, purpose on your mind. So, so let's read the text, and then we'll go further. Psalm 121, 1 through 8, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. So that, that verse is easy to, to get messed up because it seems like that's where it comes from, the hills. But it's actually a question. So it's saying, where does my help come from? Are you following? So the psalmist is a, is, is a, a psalm of ascent, and the pilgrims are heading up to Jerusalem. It's a climb. The mountains are in view. The temple is in view. The closer you get, the hills are in view of Jerusalem and Israel. And it's a beautiful climb. It's a heavy climb. Uh, you know, in the Jericho Valley, you're 1,200 feet below sea level. So it's always a climb. It's a climb. And you're looking at the beautiful mountains. How many know God created something spectacular when he, when he created all of creation? We don't have time to get into the six days of creation, but didn't God do a good job? Yes, he did. And he even said, wow, I did all of this, and it's good. And then it said he's, he rested on the seventh day. He didn't rest. Just make sure you understand this. God didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was finished. God doesn't get tired. God doesn't exhaust himself. He's not, oh, man, and then Adam and then Eve. Oh, when I created Eve, it took everything out of me. I'm not going to say what Adam said. My help comes from the Lord. Would you just lift your hands in the air? Come on. My help comes from the Lord. That's the answer. The who he, he's the one who made heaven and earth. And he will not, this is what he will do. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. That means he won't sleep. He doesn't take naps. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. You're hearing that. You're seeing that. Six times, I believe it is. It's the name of God, Yahweh. Yahweh. Yahweh is your keeper. Yahweh is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. We'll, we'll get into it because I, I can't wait to break it down. And I'm stuck. The devil is a liar. Get that thing working. Hey, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. How many think that's awesome? In the Lord's prayer, right? Protect me from evil. Lord, protect me from evil. The Lord said, pray that way. And he does. You shall preserve, he shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve or keep or watch your going out and your coming in from this time forth and not just down here. 
but forevermore, eternally. Deuteronomy 7, 9, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. Good news, church, you made it. You're part of the thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So here's the quote by C.S. Lewis. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most in this present world were precisely those who thought most of the next world. So how do we move from this temporary down here to the timeless? Webster defines perspective. It's all about how we see things, especially how accurately we see things. So uh, as a pastor, I used to, when I was younger, I used to be so much more dogmatic. You know, you go to Bible school and you go to seminary, you think you learned something, you think you know something. You have a little bit of experience pastoring, you think you know it. But the longer I lead, the less I realize I know. Because people (laughs) can help you grow up. Life makes you grow up. And sometimes you see things, and it seems that it's like this, but it's really not like that. It's actually like this. So I used to call things like this that were like this, and I, you know, for a while I got a little confused. I was like, man. I thought it was like that. How many's ever been a little disoriented throughout life? So before we get into Psalm 121, let's look at King Solomon as an example of a man who reached his highest on earth. I mean, accomplishments, but he couldn't find contentment and satisfaction down here. Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 11. Should we read it? Would you like to read it? Okay, well, let's do it. Go there. Y'all seem so excited today. I'm going to preach till at least 3 o'clock if I don't get an amen. There's one. <laughs> Y'all wasn't listening. All right, chapter 2. I said in my heart, Solomon, come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, but surely this was also vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth. What does it accomplish? Search in my heart how to gratify my flesh. And this is how he tried, with wine, while guiding my heart with wisdom, how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under the heavens all the days of their lives. I tried my works. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. Myself is the key here. I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees. And I made myself water pools from which to Water the growing trees of the grove. Oak Grove made the Bible. Right there. Verse 7, I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. You think about that. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and the provinces. I acquired male and female singers and delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Profit meaning no advantage, no accumulation of anything. 
said he just wanted to die. Look at verse 17. Therefore, I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. I hated life. Have you ever had anybody that gets so distressed, so confused, so depressed, just, I hate life. I hate life. Can I tell you, that's a dangerous place to be. And if you don't change your perspective, how many know it'll lead you down a dangerous path? Somebody's got to come and bring some hope in this house. In the middle of everything going on, wars and rumors of wars and sicknesses and pandemics and job loss and financial loss, interest rates, and you better find some hope. And I'm saying to you, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So the first thing I see that he sees is, is the, that um, the capacity to view things in their true relationships. That's what he says. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what divine perspective is. It's, 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 uh, it's important to keep this. In a distracting world, it's important to keep a divine perspective. Realize, first of all, that your creator of all is your helper and your friend. I mean, who is my help? Where does my help come from? He said, I lift my eyes toward the hills. I'm heading toward Jerusalem. And I see the mountains, and they are majestic, and they are strong, and they are massive. But they are just symbols. Can I tell you who's strong and massive and majestic? Yahweh God is strong and massive and majestic. So the psalmist says, hey, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from Yahweh God, who made heaven and earth. I'm not going to look to the mountain. I'm going to look to the God of the mountain. Why should I look at the mountain that seems to be massive and strong when I can look to the God of the mountain, the one who spoke and the mountains came into existence? If you look at the six days of creation, he is so, God is so awesome. Even in his direct order of creation, with one spoken word, he said, let there be light, and there was light. And then he goes through the six days, separating the light from the darkness. He separates the, uh, the atmosphere, the air, right? Heaven and earth. And then he separates the land from the water. And it's all in order. Then he puts marine life in the water and animals on the land. Nothing's backwards. Nothing's by chance. Nothing's just a luck and a happenstance. I mean, oh, God has a plan for your life from the foundation of the world so that, so that the fish didn't get created before the water. The animals didn't get created before the trees and the vegetation. Why? Because God knows all things, and he has all things planned in order. And then he places Adam and Eve in the garden to maintain and care, give care for the creation. Dominion, care, authority. Tend to the garden. Hey, Adam, Eve, tend to my creation. Don't let my creation tend to you. Are you seeing that? Walk with me in the cool of the day. Don't get so caught up on the mountain that you forget the creator. Don't get so caught up in the gift of creation that you forget the one who created it and gave you the gift. So I'm blown away by majesty of the ocean. Melissa and I went to Hawaii. We could see the, we see the mountains on one side of the highway and the ocean on the other. And the sun setting 
in, in Maui. And that's why they say, wowie, Maui. It's, it's fascinating. It's fantastic, beautiful, majestic. But nothing on this earth can measure to my God. Oh, how beautiful. David, David was saying, hey, you better get your eyes on Yahweh. He is the most beautiful. And, uh, and the track along to Jerusalem was not a walk in the park. Like I said, it's already uphill. It's the ascent, 15 psalms of ascent. And he uses this word keep and watch, preserve. We're going to go through it here. I'm not going to keep you too long. Are you bored yet? So we're on our way to Jerusalem, and it's hard. It's a hard trek, not just by himself. He's got his family there, okay? So, so I want you to see, put yourself in the, in the text here. I know we have blind spots sometimes, but we know that God knows. Amen? And so the, uh, the deal of Solomon, before we go further, he tried everything to appease his restless spirit. Tried wine in verse 3, construction projects and planting vineyards in verse 4, gardens and orchards in verse 5, irrigation projects in verse 6. He acquired many servants and livestock in verse 7, had all kinds of wealth and concubines in verse 8. He seemed to be at the top of his world. Yet he, he sums it up and says, I hate this life. Vanity, all of it. Every time I invest and save something for my kids, I'm scared. I don't know if my kids are going to take care of the things that I even saved them, all this for them. And it's all vanity. It's worthless. I mean, no, that is the devil. That's Satan putting in your mind that everything is helpless and hopeless. And if you allow that kind of mindset, how I many know it will wreck your brain? So. The outcome in verse 17, the results of human wisdom and earthly perspective can leave you jaded and cynical. He ruled the nation of Israel in peace for 39 years during the mid-10th century B.C. At that time, the borders of Israel extended from the Euphrates River at the top to the edge of Egypt at the bottom. Right now, we are all eyes on Egypt and on, on Israel, I'm certain. But there are refugees that are trying to get to the bottom. Hezbollah at the top, Hamas on the west. And Gaza, uh, on the west is Jordan, Gaza on the east, the Mediterranean, surrounded by distress. Israel, but listen, don't you feel sorry for Israel, my friend? How I many know oh, God has his eye on Israel? God has his eye on Israel. Maybe that's what stirred this message for me. Because you are the church. There's no replacement theology going on here. How I many know oh, God has a place in the eschatology, in the eschaton, for Israel. He's not done with Israel. He's not even begun yet with Israel. But we are a type. We are, we are grafted in. We are the church. If he takes care of Israel, how much more will he take care of you? The same. So I want you to get this. That's the way I'm feeling. And I hope you're getting something here. Okay? Because Solomon had more than 40,000 horses, 12,000 chariots in his possession. Every day they had to slaughter 10 oxen, 20 head of cattle, 100 sheep, just to feed his household and his servants. He possessed the greatest amount of gold and silver ever accumulated in ancient times. He built great structures, wrote timeless words of literature. No one was ever richer, wiser, or more powerful. But was he satisfied? No. Empty. Vanity. He let the enemy get in his mind and change his perspective. He writes, I hated life. 
it was distressing for me for all his vanity and grasping for the wind. So it's a warning for all of us. And the key uh, is in Ecclesiastes is to despair, helplessness, hopelessness. When you get every temporary thing in this world offers you and you can't find security, it's time for you to change your perspective. And that's what happened to him. So, so what about you? Are you satisfied today? I mean, you could be happy as a bug in a rug. You could just be as happy as all get out today. I'm not sure where you are. But I know this. All of us can get in a bad place. And most of the time, the attack is on the mind. Why should I even try? Does God even care about me? All of those things. How many know they're all lies? You lost perspective. So let's do the test, okay? It's not a real test, but you check it out. Temporary versus eternal. What excites you more, your home on earth or the mansion Jesus is preparing for you in heaven? Hmm, quiet. Do you spend more time keeping up with Facebook friends or more time in prayer for those same friends? What's going on? Do you spend more time excited about spending the 90% of money that God lets you keep on earth? Then you do the purposes and plans of God with the 10% that he asks. What's your investment like? Eternal or earthly? Is it all you, 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 like Solomon? My, 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 my vineyard, my. Do you read the latest gossip or literature or screen time? Spend more time on that than you do reading the eternal word of the living God? How about it? What's on your mind more? Worries of the earth? Or the promises of heaven. See, it's a choice. So it's, uh, how did you score? Don't answer that. The point is this. Your eternal perspective needs to become your focus here. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. What? On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Lord, bring heaven down today at Oak Grove Assembly. Let the Spirit of God change our mindset. May we be elevated into heavenly places with Christ Jesus so that the enemy can't take advantage of our mind. May the Spirit spur us on to look into what's coming. What's taking your attention? Heaven or earth? Where's your investment? Heaven or earth? So the allure of earthly distractions pulls us from the Lord. Technology, entertainment. Demands of life directs our attention and our perspective. And we allow the stress to steal the joy. The busyness steals our peace. And there's no, there's no security system that's secure. Insurance policies are going sky high. Can't even put your faith in insurance. Not even sure they'll come through. The adjuster seems like I don't think he prays before he comes to the house. He's not for us. He's for them. I don't think you're helping me. If you're an insurance adjuster, I'm just joking. But there's no safety plan that is absolute. You can do all the safety you want. How many know the Lord's in charge here? There's nothing absolute. Not down here. But if you will put your mind on things above, how many know you'll go through any storm that comes your way? And keep the joy, maintain the sanity, and the peace. It's important, friends. You may not think this... This message, you might think it's way ahead of time, but how many know there's a day coming soon you'll need this message? Your mind's going to have to know that he is the source. The psalmist's eyes are gazing to the hills that represent the world, but he quickly redirects his focus to the true source, the Lord, the creator of heaven and 
So powerful. The hills are the problem, not the solution. I said the mountains are strong, but how many know God is stronger? All right. He speaks about his concern for, uh, for his climbing. God, will my foot slip? Will I fall? Will I injure myself? These cliffs, these cliffs. What about the heat? What about, what about the change of temperature in the desert? What about the bandits? What about the wolves? Just as defenseless as little sheep. On November 4th, I'm going to be giving a, a Devo for all of the missionaries in the Pacific Oceania. That is ours. Most of them are us. Most of them are Oak Grove missionary people. Uh, the Dorises, the Julians, all of them. They'll be getting this devotion. And my topic is shepherding. So I just looked up, just, just for the record, I, I just want to share a little bit with you. How many like to just get a little tidbit of that? I'll finish this another day. The sheep is the only animal in the world that can be totally lost within a few, within a few miles of his home. They don't have a sense of direction. And the Israelites are, are God's sheep. You understand? The church, we are the sheep. He is the, the shepherd. Are you following that? And so, listen, listen, this just startled me because there are, it says here, a billion sheep plus in the world, and all of them would very soon starve to death or die of thirst if it were not for the thousands of caring shepherds. Sheep left to themselves would get lost. And if they get lost, they can only stay in their little place. They can only stay in their little place. If they get, if they get a mile or so out with the shepherd and they get lost, they are lost. They are lost. If the shepherd don't find them, they are eternally lost. You get it. You understand that. So it's imperative that we have shepherds who care. And I want you to go a little higher with pastor. Shepherds under shepherds, pastors down here, or what's down here? The great shepherd is in the heavens, seated at the right hand of God on high. He sees it all, and he's watching everything. He sees you. He sees you. So your foot's not going to slip. He's going to help you. Let's just go through it because it's so powerful. He's your protector, verse 3 through 6. He's not going to see anything that that happens to you. He's going to take care of all of it. Can you say amen to that? He's going to take care of all of this. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you all the way to Israel. You need help this morning. How many know it's, this psalm is going to help you? The true source is the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Okay? And he is going to direct your steps. Right? He speaks about the climb. It's hard. Uh, and God will not let your foot slip, for he's watching your every step. Indeed, he's watching over you. He sees you. Jehovah Roi, the God who sees you. If you're feeling insecure this morning, listen to Pastor. This is a powerful song. God is on guard 24 and 7 around the clock. He does not slumber nor sleep. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't get a, a, a brain freeze. Does, doesn't go blank. He doesn't get amnesia. Oh, oh, Taylor, I'm so sorry. I forgot. I didn't, uh, poor Taylor. There went one of my sheep. That's why the parable of the lost sheep is so powerful. A good shepherd, what? Leaves the 99 and goes find the lost sheep. He leaves the 99 because he cares for one sheep. 
That's how much he cares. His eye is on all 100 in the fold. So there's nobody outside of his eyesight. He sees everything, and he's watching your every step. Are y'all getting this? If you feel yourself slipping today into grief or depression, feeling unworthy, if you're feeling unprotected, uh, uh, what are you slipping into? Change your perspective. How you know God is fighting for you? Nothing by any means is going to hurt you. That's good news today. Preach on, Pastor. They need it. Well, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't nod off. He never exerts energy. The word watch is used five times in these verses, and it means more than that God is looking at you. It means that he's looking out for you, not just looking at you. The word means he's looking at you. Yes, he sees you, but he's also looking out for you. Why? Because from his perspective, from God's bird's eye view, he can see the future and the past and the present. He's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He saw what you did. He sees what you're doing, and he sees where you're going. And he's going to do all in his power to protect you. Isn't that good news? So the exposure of the sun was one issue as the pilgrims were climbing. They could... They could, the noonday sun, uh, it, it, could be, it could be like sunstroke. Have you ever heard of that? So if they didn't bring enough water or they ran out of water, the heat of the sun in the Middle East could be hot, treacherous. And if they ran out of uh, liquid, wow, sunstroke. But what does it say? I'll protect you from the sun, the sun at noonday and the moon. How many ever heard of moonstroke? Anybody ever heard of lunacy? It's a real phenomenon. The moon stroke. People lose their mind. You ever heard of the wolf? Woo! Werewolf in London? There you go. Thank you. It's the only thing I got all day. So exposure to the sun, exposure to the moon, or maybe night terrors or bad dreams or anything else that may harm you along the way. Wolves attack at night. Bandits attack at night. That's why perspective is so, so vital because because sometimes we can't see it until it passes how God has preserved you along the way, protects us even when we don't see it. How many can testify this morning? I look back, uh, Pastor, and I can see where God had his hand in my life. See that? They call that perspective. They call that, uh, they call that sovereignty, providence. Not predestination, providential care. Are you all hearing that? God cares about you. He wants you to make it. Our strength is not toward uh, found down here. It, it's, it's Almighty Creator who holds it all in His hands, in His righteous right hand. So we're not looking toward the hills of Jerusalem. We're looking toward the God of Jerusalem. Amen? It's time to shift our perspective to a higher realm. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth, you are God. Yahweh is before it all. Yahweh was before it all. There's nothing going to shock him. Okay? Earthquake. Oh, earthquake, earthquake. He made the earthquake. He made the mountain. You understand? In fact, he made the whole plan. So if some of you are anxious about what's happening in the Middle East, understand God has a plan for the Middle East. And next week or the week after, we're going to be praying for the Middle East. Uh, we got um, 
Brent Johnson and Bonnie are coming. We're going to have a, a prayer meeting here on Sunday morning. We're going to talk a little bit about eschatology and, and some things, him and I tag teaming, and then we're going to have a prayer meeting for Israel. God hasn't forgot about his people, and he hasn't forgotten about you. This is good news, Pastor. I don't know why it's so I know what's happening. You're so mesmerized by the word that you're speechless. I guess that's the only thing I can think of. You have an internal compass to point you toward God. And God controls the universe. Uni-verse. Uni meaning one. Verse meaning spoken word. The universe. One spoken word. That's how we came into being. So align your heart and mind with heaven's perspective. Psalm 123, 1 and 2. Got to turn there. Do you mind? Do you mind? I'm going to preach and read the scriptures. You just enjoy yourself. Drink your coffee. Enjoy your word. One, two, three. Unto you I lift up my eyes. O you who dwell in the heavens, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on us. For we, ex- we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. You see, it's arrogance and pride that looks to anything else except for God. The reason the world is running away from God today is because they don't want to be accountable to him. If you say God is God, then you must submit to his authority. If you say the word of God is the word of God, you must submit to the authority of the word of God and obey it. So I'd rather say I'm atheist. I don't have to believe it. But how many know every knee is going to bow anyway? Be wise for you to understand there's only one God and there is no other. So don't be so silly, Mr. Educated. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your head. Lift up your eyes, your redemption drawing nigh. Where does my help come from, Pastor? From the Lord, maker of heaven. It's, it's more today, I want you to get this, it's more than escaping this temporary life challenge. Uh, for this description of God as creator appears three times in the Psalms in the Ascent. Here in the beginning in 121 verse 2, in the middle, 124, 8, and at the end, 134, 4. So he's saying he's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the creator of heaven and earth. You can go as far back as you want to. When you push an evolutionist as far back as they can because they don't believe in the creator God, I asked him, I said, well, well, it all started with matter, like a big bang. And an amoeba fell out and fell into the ocean. It swam to the shore like a tadpole. It turned into a frog, and the frog jumped up the tree, became a monkey, and then you fell out. That's the evolutionist theory. So I'll press them, and I'll press them, and I'll press them, and they go all the way back. And I say, well, where, where? well, it all started with matter. And then I say to them, where did matter come from? And then you know what they say? It don't matter. Yeah, it does matter. It does matter, clown. I'd rather say my God created the heavens and the earth. By faith, I believe the world were framed by God. You're a silly thing. I can't even find the half monkey, half, half man. Can't find him. So turn your eyes on Jesus and stop all of that. Three times in the Psalms. And then it's a posture also of receiving his blessings in Psalm 134.4. How, how can I shift my perspective, Pastor? Realize that the creator of all things is your helper and your friend. Just like the compass, right? And so, and so Psalm tells us 
Psalm 134.4. The Lord is our helper. Acknowledge him. Right? He is our helper. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you. He will not slack on the job. He's your shade at the right hand. He guards you from the sun. He created it. And the moon he created by night, he guards you there. His name used, all 15 psalms of ascent is Yahweh. His covenant name to his covenant people, Israel. He's our great shepherd who cares for his sheep, and you can trust him today. Can you say amen to that? There's a song. I don't know if we can sing it. I'll try to sing it myself. But It's a wonderful song uh, from the Psalms. It's your love, O Lord. It reaches to the heavens. You ever heard it? Your faithfulness, it touches to the sky. You know what? Anytime you can sing the Psalms, pray the Psalms, Read the Psalms. It will edify your heart and change your mind. He loves you to the heavens. His faithfulness is to the sky. It's another dimension. You can't live with a mindset down here and have the peace that only comes from up there. You can't do that. He keeps you from accidents. He's your bodyguard, right? Watches from the Hebrew word shamar, which means to watch over, to guard, to protect. Six times in verses 3 through 8. Wow. He's your personal bodyguard, and you can trust him. He watches over you. Shamar means to watch, to guard. Six times. What does, it, what does he keep me from? Accidents. Here's Psalm 37. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God does not sleep, never gets weary. Look at Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of heavens and the earth, the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He is close beside you. Look at Genesis 28, 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, talking to Israel. I mean, no, he is going to do it. That's the next great event for Israel. They're going to be regathered to Israel happening until you see the people and their prosperity and the peace, you don't have to worry about it. We'll be gone before all that anyway. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. How many know that's a powerful, sure word from a covenant-keeping God? He will also keep you from all harm. The sun and the moon already did all that. Verse 8 gets a little bit more specific. specific. He watches over every transition in your life. Now, if we're going to struggle, how many know that's where we struggle the most? Transitions. So from single young man to a married young man, I need the Lord. I don't know how to love a lady. I don't know how to be a husband. Nobody told me how to be a husband. Dad wasn't the greatest husband example. Hello. We had premarital counseling, but I was shaking my boots in front of the pastor like, oh. He didn't say a whole lot. I just knew that I didn't want to disappoint him. And then you get babies. You get babies and, like, there's no manual. comes with babies. Why don't we write one? We've been having babies for years. Would somebody please write a manual? Every new mom and dad are like, I don't know what to do. I'm about to die. And how about pastoring? Nobody wrote a... Jess, would you please write a manual for Pastoral Ministries 101? No way. I got it. One word. Don't kill the sheep. 
You shear the sheep every year. You kill them only once. You skin them only once. All right. But a good shepherd takes care of his sheep. Right? So God's awake. You can sleep like a baby. The transitions are where we get hooked up and messed up. Right? These sun-moon verbiage here is called a, a merism. It uses pairs of opposite words to signify the totality. It means, it means that the sun and the moon and everything in between, the specifics of it, okay? Everything in between, not only will the moon and the sun take care of you, anything else at any other part of the day, God's going to take care of you. It's, it's powerful here. The Lord will keep you from all harm, verse 8, right? He watches you're coming in and you're going out, both now and forevermore. That's the end of the psalm. Come on, Miss Chrissy, come back so, so they can get excited. But verses 1 through 6 were in the, pa- the present tense, what God did for you. But, but, but verses 7 and 8 gives promises for the future tense, both now and forever. I'm going to watch everybody. No harm's going to come to you at all. Not now, not ever. Not in the between times. Not in morning, not in night. Not when you get up in the morning and you're coming in or, or you're going out in the morning or coming in at night. Nothing, nothing shall separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That'll preach somewhere, I'm telling you. He watches over every transition. And that's Dr. Wood. One time, Melissa and I were having lunch with Dr. Wood. Bless his heart. He's in the presence of the Lord. Great mentor and pastor. And we said, Pastor, what can we pray with you about? He was superintendent at the time, and he said, I said, what do you see as the number one problem in the church world today? Dr. Wood said, it's so easy, Ron. Transitions. Transitions. So a couple gets transitioned into married life from single life. They get transitioned into parenting with children. Then, hey, I thought by the time you got to grandparent, we ought to be like, woo Somebody needs to write a book on grandparenting. It's not as easy as I thought it would be. The best part, though, is sending the kids home at the end of the day. Got to bathe them first. So that's why trust is such a big deal here. When routine is is the norm, it's pretty smooth sailing. But in the in-between times, the limbo, the waiting, the commute, things change. You change jobs. You change your health changes. Your relationship changes. Your marriage. You're you're now, you've got children. Retirement. Retirement. Supposed to be woohoo, right? Woohoo. You know how many people get depressed during retirement? Got to change your perspective. Deuteronomy 28 6. If you obey the Lord, you will be blessed. When? Coming in, going out. Psalm 139. David says, You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you perceive my thoughts from afar off. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are. You're familiar with all my ways. All of this stuff today just simply means, and I went over five minutes, but we had communion, so just get over it. It's all right. You don't have to worry or fear. God cares about you. He's committed to you. He is faithful. How many would say amen, Pastor Ron? He is a faithful, good shepherd. He's a good, good father. And you can have peace. I don't know what you're going through today, but I'm, I'm done preaching. I might share some more shepherding stuff with you later. But just as Pastor Melissa and I want to shepherd and care for you, care for you, call me anytime if you have an emergency, okay? I don't want to eat peanut butter and jelly at 3 in the morning. 
Eat it by yourself. But if you have an emergency, I'll be there. Because a shepherd, a true shepherd, cares for the sheep. Prioritizes, protects, watches, concern, prays. So I want you to stand with me this morning. Here's our altar call. Two things. Maybe you're feeling like Solomon. Maybe you hate life right now. It's vanity, vanity. Maybe you've lost perspective. Maybe you are perplexed and despair, depressed. Jesus said, come to me, all who are heavy burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and praise him in your storm. That's the first call. Jesus, God rested after seven days, but that rest was not from weariness. It was from completion. But you're human, and you live on earth right now, and you might need some Sabbath rest on the Sabbath day. Maybe, secondly, you're blessed, so blessed that you have a heavenly perspective. You're filled with joy. You have a grateful heart. Going into Thanksgiving, things can't be greater than they are right now for you. Your response should be the same. Come and praise the Lord. If things are bad, come and praise the Lord. If things are good, come and praise the Lord. There's one common denominator for the altar call. Come and praise the Lord. Praise Him from the beginning to the end. Let's spend time in prayer this morning. Let's pray for Israel. If you have nothing else to do, these altars are open. Our prayer partners are coming, and they're going to grab the oil. If you have a need for prayer, we'd be glad to pray for you about that. But let's sing a little bit. Let's worship the Lord, and let's keep our divine perspective in play. Hope you've been challenged by the Word of God this morning. Praise you in this storm. Yes, Lord. And I will lift my hands. You are who If you're in a storm, find one of these people to pray with you this morning. Come on, if you're here just to praise him, lift your hands. Tell him you are Yahweh God.
Oh, bless the Lord. Come on, let's bless this day. God, change my perspective. Change my view of things. I don't want to be an alarmist. I don't want to live in panic. I don't want this to take my peace. I'm tired of the enemy stealing my joy. I have a future and it is secure in Christ Jesus. My feet are firmly planted. You have planted my feet on high ground. You are my firm foundation. My house is built on the rock. I don't have to worry about the storm. I don't have to worry about the rain. I don't have to fear the storm because you're with me. You're with me, Lord. You can sleep. Jesus slept in the middle because of his humanity. But God neither slumbers nor sleeps. The reason Jesus slept in the middle of the storm in the boat, because he wasn't worried about it. Why? Father God doesn't sleep. That's why he went to the cross, knowing with confidence, even the cross, even the cross. He can go to the cross with confidence because he said this, nevertheless, your will be done. This is what he's saying. Basically, Marilyn, he's saying, you know better than I do. So I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. Nobody's taking my life, he told Pilate. I'm laying my life down. In obedience to the Father, I'm laying my life down. Pilate, you don't have authority over me. Caiaphas, you don't have authority over me. Judas, you didn't. You just did what you had to do. You have nothing to do with the plan of God in my life. So amazing to me, I'll do this in the devotions. It's so striking to me. Over 40 million sheep are slaughtered every year, and, and, and it happens to be in um, New Zealand. 40 million sheep every year are led to slaughter, and they're led by one main sheep, a castrated male sheep named, they call him the Judas sheep. And the, all the sheep, they follow, Jim, they follow in line, just like the sheep. They follow the Judas sheep to the slaughter, follow them. Then the Judas sheep he has a trap, a trap door, and the trap door falls. Judas falls out. The door comes back, and all 40 million to the slaughter. I mean, no, there is a Judas sheep. I mean, no, there really is a Judas. There really is a devil who's trying to slaughter you, slaughter your perspective, slaughter your future, slaughter your brain, slaughter your joy, slaughter your hope, slaughter your investments make you think it's hopeless and helpless. But how many know there's a lamb? The lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. And he was came to us like a lamb. But how many know the next time he comes to us, he's coming like the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
and soon and very soon, he will set the record straight. He will right all wrongs. He will take care of everything. But our job, Oak Grove, listen, our job is to find the lost sheep. Every one of them, find them. Don't be led astray. Don't let them be led astray. They're intelligent. They're beautiful. They're smart. They're valuable. They just don't have a sense of direction and they don't have any defensive way they can easily be snatched away. They could easily fall in a hole. They could easily fall off a cliff. They will starve to death and die of thirst before they find their way home. They can't find their way home. Why are we here, Oak Grove? God called us as shepherds and the people of God to keep the sheep together in the fold. That's our goal. And God being our helper, I mean, until Jesus, the great shepherd, comes, we're going to take care of all of these sheep sign of a good shepherd and a bad is the condition of their wool. The wool. Kind of gets kind of gets oily. You think it's beautiful and white, but it gets oily and therefore sticky. And any dust that blows in the plains sticks to the wool of the sheep. So they need to be cleaned and they need to be sheared and they need to be groomed and they need to be just like you would your pet. God loves you. You are the sheep of his pasture. So today, I hope that you catch something out of this Psalm 121, that you go home and just read it, reread it. Just, just feast on it a little bit. Take it into your heart. Father, bless your sheep. Bless your people. I realize today, Jesus, that I too am nothing but sheep. I need a shepherd. Therefore, never let us get above and beyond the one who is able. Don't let us get our eyes off of you. As Peter fell into the creation of the sea, he fell into the creation when the creator was on top of the water. He fell into the water that he created. God help up Peter and the rest of us. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Our eyes are not on the hills. Our eyes are on the creator of heaven and earth. Bless your people today. Don't let us get cynical, critical. Don't ever let us get to a place where we hate life like Solomon. Redeem our thoughts.